Welcome back into the Card Chronicle podcast. This is episode 26. We're recording this here late on Monday, March the 9th. It's the first postseason episode of the Card Chronicle podcast. Mike Rutherford and Danny Sennard here. We're going to talk about the ACC tournament this week. We'll talk a little bit about the Virginia loss over the weekend, uh, everything bad that's been going on, uh, some stuff with me over the weekend that maybe you heard about, maybe you haven't. I'll, I'll get into that a little bit. But before we do any of that stuff, uh, Dan Sennard, my co-host, is here as usual. Dan, how are you? Um, I'm good. It's it's good to be back in the saddle here. Uh, it's good to hear your voice. I know uh, you, you had kind of a little scare over the weekend, which you'll kind of get into here in a second. But, I mean, I think first and foremost, the thing we need to talk about is the Wake Forest-Miami game, because that's obviously <laughs> the most important thing we got going on here. Throwback reference. I love yeah, it. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Longtime fans of the CC podcast remember that from the uh, the episode where I talked about getting fired and Dan wanted to jump into the uh, the pit game very quickly as uh, <laughs> opposed to letting me talk about that. Um, well done, by the way. That was that was nice. I enjoyed thank, it. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'll talk a little bit quickly. If you don't follow on, on Twitter or didn't read the website, I did have a, a, a couple of uh, health issues over the weekend. And I'll just tell the story just because it's easier to do that here. Then to sum it up on the website or to respond to everybody who has you know, sent me emails, sent me messages, stuff like that. So um, on Saturday, all excited for the game. Day's been fine. Haven't felt bad at all. Like no allergies, no nothing. Watch the Louisville game. And this is kind of how you know that I think Tony Bennett has made some sort of deal with the sports devil. Like the, the timing is too is too eerie. So with like a minute 58, right when Louisville starts playing like shit, right, right when they start forgetting how to play offense. I start seeing, I get like a, have you ever had like a floater in your eye? You know, those like. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Yeah. So like I, I have this big, the best way I can describe it is it looks like when you're staring at like an organism through a microscope, like in a, in a biology lab in school, it looks like one of those. It's small, but it's like a strand. it's outlined, it's colored. And like, I'm seeing it and it's, it, it's not a big deal. I'm just like, what is this? What's going on? And as the last two minutes of the, the game play out, it keeps getting a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger. And I tell my wife, like, I'm seeing this thing. It's just kind of it's messing with me a little bit, but not a big deal at the time. So the game ends. We lose. It sucks. I go back. I, I go into the other room to start writing the recap for Card Chronicle. I sit down and I start like I, I notice that I'm not seeing the screen real well. Like my computer screen is looking fuzzy. This, this this little floater thing keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm having trouble like coming up with the words to write, like stuff that I'm thinking about isn't making sense. So I tell Mary about it. She's like, just, you know, close your eyes a little bit, lie down, calm down. And when I, the weird thing about the floater in my eye is when I close my eyes, I'm still seeing it. It's still big. It's still, it's still strange. So anyways, I just kind of like rest this thing off. I'm like, eventually it's going to go away. Eventually I'm going to be okay. Um, and it does like the, the vision comes back. I'm feeling okay about that. But then the weird thing, the real jarring thing is I pull out my phone. And I start to read like the text that you guys have been sending and the tweets that are out there. And words aren't making sense to me. Like it, it's the it's the strangest thing in the entire world. Like I'm seeing I'm seeing letters, I'm seeing words, but they're not processing in my brain. And the best way I can explain it, if you're like me and you suck at math, it's kind of like if you're staring at a real elaborate like geometry proof. You can you can recognize the symbols, you can recognize that there's some order there, but it doesn't make any sense to you. Like you don't uh, know yeah, I didn't want to make a joke here, but basically you are me for couple hours it was like walking a mile in my shoes or me like in sophomore geometry when i took a test like seriously and got a zero on it like not not like a zero for failing not like a zero for cheating i mean 
Like, I took it, I tried my hardest, and I got a straight zero. We, we can tell that story some other time. <laughs> so, yeah, so basically me staring at any sort of math is how I felt staring at these words. And it was, I mean, the one that I remember the most is I saw the letters K-N-O-W, like the word no, and I just, I, I, I couldn't think of what that meant. So, like, I mean, obviously I'm freaking out. Like, this is the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me. It's real scary. And the thing about like the comprehension and everything, it came back, but it came real slowly. So like Mary is, she's trying to get me to read stuff. She's trying to like talk me through stuff. She's like, do you recognize this person? Do you recognize that person? Some people I do, some people I don't. And like, of course, like the panic sets in too and you freak yourself out more and more. But eventually I start being able to piece together words, but I'm reading like I'm you know, five again, like, like I'm just like just starting to read. And so she's having me pull out my phone and read the text messages and try to read them aloud to her, which if there's a video of this, if there had been a video of this, it's hilarious because <laughs> given the text messages we were getting at the time, it's like me reading slowly and being like, pass the fucking ball <laughs> fresh. Come on, man. Like it, it's me reading, but like, but it's scary. Like, like we're, we're very concerned at the time. Um, so it keeps like, at that point, Mary's like, you know, we, we got to go somewhere. So she calls her sister Kaylee and, and her fiance Todd. They come over to watch um, the baby. We go to the hospital. Um, I, like I, At that point, like I'm starting to come together a little bit more. Like I, I'm words are making more sense. I'm watching the Duke North Carolina game while we're waiting to be seen. And like that's computing. So it's getting better. But so we go to the first hospital. Um, we, we do a CAT scan. There's nothing nothing serious there. Like I don't have a brain tumor. I don't have, you know, brain cancer or anything that's going to kill me that second. Um, and we have like the biggest bro doctor of all time who like, <laughs> like, I mean, he's like walking in he's just like, yeah, man, you know, like, uh, if, if, you know, if you don't like, we're basically here. So like, just if we're going to keep you alive, like in the moment. So, you know, it's it, next time it happens, like, just get here a little bit quicker. I'm like, thanks buddy. Like, you know, wh whatever. Like, appreciate the advice, man. He's like, miss you on the radio. I'm like, thanks captain hippo violation. I, I appreciate that, man. Which probably, he's probably listening to this now. Like if, if uh, now that I think about it, I probably should have said that, but you know, whatever, like he's like in out all this stuff. So like, that's kind of, that, that's all they can do for me at that point in time. They've got no, no word about what this was. It's just like, it's not anything that's going to kill you. And so we're getting ready to leave and I'm, I don't really want to put anything out on Twitter because I don't want to do the whole, like, anytime you do that in a situation like this, it seems like you're just begging for sympathy tweets. And I already felt like that. I kind of got, I got enough sympathy tweets after the whole radio thing. So I didn't want to put it out there, but at the same time, like I hadn't written anything about the Virginia game, hadn't done any of the post game stuff. I figured I wasn't going to be able to do much stuff on, on Sunday. So I didn't want people thinking that I was like so upset about this one game that I was just quitting. So I put it out there and I say, you know, like this happened, this happened, uh, doing okay, blah, blah, blah. And so, of course, when that happens, like everybody starts reaching out and saying really nice things, which is awesome. But they also start self-diagnosing. They start doing the like, this happened to me. And, and th this is maybe this is what I think is going on. And some of it is just is terrifying. And it's like WebMD on Twitter, basically, oh, where man, like everything's an overreaction. And everybody means well. So I, I can't get mad about it. And some of the stuff I, I'll get there. Some of the stuff actually did wind up being like a real similar to what I wound up happening. But then other of it is like some other stuff was like I watched the Virginia game one time and I had a massive heart attack three days later. I'm like, <laughs> that's not that's not what's happening here, man. I've, I'm so sorry that happened to you, but we're dealing with very uh, different situations. But basically, the, the bro doctor is like, you know, you're dealing with a lot of stress. You're, you're not sleeping very much. Like, 
go sleep and just just chill out. I think you're going to be okay. And I'm like, all right, appreciate that. But then also like some of the other stuff that keeps coming up is people saying this all sounds like you had a mini brain stroke and like 25% of the time that that happens, you have another one within the next month and it's a significant one and it can kill you and, and all this stuff. They're like the first time you see any sort of sign, you got to act real quickly. So I've got that in my mind. So I, that's terrifying. So I get a bunch of sleep. Mary gets up early with the baby. She lets me sleep in. I'm feeling pretty good. I start watching the uh, the Big South title game and the Missouri Valley title game. I send a couple of tweets, do a quick um, ACC bracket for Card Chronicle. I'm, fe- I'm feeling pretty good. And then out of nowhere, like I start feeling super, super lightheaded. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And I deal with it the first time. I'm like, the, you know, whatever, it's okay. Happens again about an hour later. And that's when I'm like, my parents were over at the house. Like they can take care of the baby. We were supposed to have like a cookout for my sister's birthday. And I'm like, my least favorite thing in the entire world is, like sort of making people work around their schedules to to do stuff for me. Like I hate, I hate being a bother. And I just, so I'm like, this is the last thing in the world. I already hate hospitals. I already hate doctors. I'm already that guy who just never doesn't, does not want to deal with any of this stuff. But I'm like, this is terrifying. We've got to go figure out what the hell's going on because I, I don't, I, I don't want to die. So we go to a different hospital this time that does, you know, the, the, all the stroke work. We go there, Mary and I go, her sister, Laura, who, had run the stroke center at UofL. She shows up to help us out because she knows what questions to ask and all this stuff. So we go to that hospital. And this is the part of the story where I'm going to ask everybody when I'm telling it to assume that the person in question does not actually have the coronavirus. Because if you if you go into it with that mindset, it's it's an objectively funny story. It, it's, it's very funny. So we're sitting around. Of course, the hospital's packed. And they're doing the best they can to filter out people. We're sitting there. Like I'm feeling okay at this time. It's nothing like the day before. I just want to get. I just want to have some test runs so I can figure out what the hell's going on. So we're sitting there. This dude next to us just freaks out. This, this dude is like, "I've got the coronavirus. I know it. I. You need to quarantine me right now." D- doesn't specify how he knows it. Just he he knows it. Like he's got this thing. He's gonna die. He needs help immediately. And the woman, this poor woman who's working with everybody, is like, "Sir, please stop yelling." And he's like. I'm not yelling. This is just the way that I talk. And like, I'm, I'm trying to keep it in. Like, I'm trying not to laugh because I'm already like scared. Like this is, but like Mary and Laura, they're no help. Like they're dying laughing. And this, it, it's like the Will Ferrell character from the old SNL where he's got the weekend update where he's got the voice of modulation syndrome. You know, like, how dare you, Tina? Like it's this guy. It's like, I'm not yelling. This is how I talk. I've got Corona. Please help me. And she's like, sir, please just put your mask on and calm down. And like he's lying down on stuff, he's coughing everywhere. This this is the worst day, this worst weekend of my entire life. Like this is just absolutely terrible. So we end up, we go back, they do an EKG, they do a um, a brain MRI, which that that's an entirely different story. Like that's quite an experience. But thankfully, like all this stuff comes back, it's it's fine. Like my brain is in working order. My heart has no you know small holes or anything like that. Like everything's everything's going well. And they say, the doctor actually says, she thinks I'm having these weird variant migraines, like these super, like off the beaten path migraines. And this is like the, the what she calls them, these vasospasm migraines or what, what she actually terms them. It's the same thing that my uncle, who's a neurologist, my, my aunt's husband, and a family friend who's a neurologist, and a couple of people who had these same things reached out to me and said, like, there are these migraines where you don't feel a headache, but they have symptoms that are like brain spasms, like brain strokes. Like you, 
your vision gets hurt, like your your comprehension's gone. Um, you struggle to talk a little bit. I didn't, I never had that problem, but I struggle with reading and comprehension and all that stuff. And then you're like super, super tired afterwards. So all that stuff happened to me. And they're like, you know, migraines running my family. This is what's happening. I'm sure you're, you know, you just, the one thing you can do is either come here the minute it happens or start taking this uh, migraine medicine the second it happens. Like that's the best case for you. So like all things considered, that was the best case scenario, but my God, like it was just getting to that point was such a struggle. So we get home. My parents have been taking care of the baby. They leave. We, you know, we're laughing about everything. Like everybody's in good spirits. We heat up some chicken nuggets. I, I literally sit down and go to pick up my chicken nugget and I get the emergency text alert that the first Jefferson County coronavirus patient has been admitted and is in quarantine at the hospital where we just spent the entire day. <laughs> I mean, how do you, like, how do you react uh, to that situation? Like, I tell Mary, she goes ghost white. She, we start like stripping our clothes off right away so we can get the shower. We finally calm down and realize that there's no way it's the same guy. It's, you know, that person was, this person was admitted like early in the morning, way before we got there. But still like being in the same place is, is kind of a scary thing. But like for that split second, I'm like that motherfucker, like he knew it the whole time. Like he was right. He yeah. had Corona. So, so you had sent texts. I mean, obviously we were getting updates from you on what was going on and you would let us know you know, we're like, where did they take you? And you told us the hospital you were at. And, you know, we were, we were glad it sounded like, um, you know, the tests came back, you know, and they were going to send you home. And when that alert came through about three hours later, it said, Oh, the first patient in Jefferson County coronavirus is at this hospital, which you had just texted us and told us the Corona story about that guy oh three God. hours earlier. I audibly gasped. I was like literally <laughs> in my, I audibly gasped and I was like, no fucking way. <laughs> like there's no way. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I you know, I, we like to keep things light. Uh, but we were obviously concerned for you and I know my wife was too. So um, it, I'm, I'm glad it sounds like they have a diagnosis and hopefully, you know, nothing kind of comes of this and you can kind of just carry on normally. Yeah. I mean, my whole life I've been the guy who's like, I don't need to go to the doctor. I don't need to go to the doctor. I'm not going to the hospital. I'm not going so much so that when I sat down before the doctor could see me, they were looking at my chart and they're like, Oh, it's been a while, which is, it's terrible. I'm not condoning this at all. It's just, I, I hate doing stuff like this. And if going like, finally, like, I get up the, the balls to be like, I need to get this taken care of. It's scary. Let's get this, let's get this fixed. You've got a daughter. You, you've got to be good. If having that mentality had ended up with me getting the coronavirus, I would have just <laughs> I would have hated everybody so much who pushed me to do this. Like I would have resented my wife forever, who was like, you, you got to go. You got to get this figured out. But in the end, I think we're going to be OK. But I mean, my God, it was just the and then like on top of it, from a, a much less serious standpoint, like every bad thing in the sports world happened. Like everybody who I hate, like it started with that Kentucky comeback, like. It, it spiraled into the, the women's team losing to Florida State because we can't beat Florida State in anything, apparently. Then Louisville loses to Virginia. We, like, you know, we're falling in the rankings. Every team that I hate in these small tournaments is, is winning. Liberty's winning. Bradley and Brian Wardle, the jackoff who hit the shot that sent Mike Dean into a frenzy back in the 90s at, at Freedom Hall, they win again, second straight year from the four seed. Like, it's just been, it's yeah. been a real shitty 48 hours. It sucks. I mean, ever how optimistic we were going into March, and then like for what's happened between March first and now, you like named all that stuff in a four year. Like 
I mean, we're not even talking about like life stuff. It's like the coronavirus, the markets are <laughs> crashing. It's like Alex Karev got written off Grey's Anatomy and he went back to fucking Izzy. It's like, I mean, come on, people. This is March. What are we doing here? Jeez. I, I, I declare March 12th at 9 o'clock on Thursday is the new first day of March. That's going to be it. We're starting. We're getting a clean slate. Fuck these first 11 days. We're starting on Thursday, and that's all I have to say about that. I like where your head is. I think that's a, a good way to look at it. A lot of people did say after the last podcast, you know, they, you and I both, and we'll talk about the Virginia game now. I, I appreciate everybody bearing with me there. Um, you and I both picked Louisville to lose on Saturday. I think you had it by like nine or ten points. I think I had it by three or four. Um, but at the end of the episode, even though we were both, like, we had that weird sort of dynamic at the end where it's like, Hey, we think we're gonna we're, we're gonna lose this game. All right, let's go cards. Like, come on, guys, go get them. Which is like, we probably shouldn't do that if we're gonna pick Louisville to lose. But everybody noted that we nailed the me cutting you off at the end with the go cards, and so that made everybody really confident. I think what we found out in this game is that nailing the go cards thing only works if it's a game that we both pick us to to win. I think that's where this we are. This is true. Yeah. So, no, I I agree, and I. I I didn't want people to be like, oh, well, that doesn't matter anymore because it still does matter. It's just like you said that we both have to have to pick them to win. Yeah. So I think that's where our head is. So that's where we messed up this week. If we do the if we pick us to lose, then we just do the standard. We both say go cards. No reason to cut us off. And hopefully it has the reverse effect. But let's talk about this game on Saturday. The final score was 57 54. It was pretty much 57 51. Louisville hit a meaningless three there um, at the buzzer. But the game kind of went the way that you and I said we thought it was going to on the last podcast. I mean, Louisville, I don't think we predicted that Louisville was going to start quite as hot as they did. And maybe that was the most disappointing thing about the way it all played out was that Louisville seemed to be in control, lost it. The Chris Mack technical in the first half, I think, changed the momentum a lot. But then also, like, like it seemed about seven minutes in the second half, it seemed like this just wasn't going to be your day. Like, Virginia was going to run away with this. It was probably going to hang around that 10-point margin of, of, of victory the entire afternoon, and then Virginia was going to coast to a win. That didn't happen either. Like, Louisville fought back, put themselves in a position to win, and then just played so poorly on offense in, in those last two minutes. The last five possessions were all just, just atrocious. But at the end of the day, it's about where most people thought this game was going to be, a narrow Virginia victory. So I guess we'll start here. I mean, going into the, the ACC tournament and then Selection Sunday – does this specific game, this loss to Virginia, does it change your overall outlook on this team and what they're capable of doing these next few weeks? Not really, because Virginia just plays such a quirky style of ball that it's 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 really, for me at least, hard to take too much away from this game. When they got down in the second half, like 11, I had kind of thrown up the white flag. I, I thought that was going to be too big of a lead to come back from, especially the way they were defending us and the way we were playing on offense. But, I mean, a huge credit to the guys that, that they were able to come back, and we got absolutely dynamite minutes from Darius Perry, which was uh-huh. great, and I'm really excited for that going forward because I think you know um, he could be a, a nice asset for us off the bench. Um, but in the same way, gosh, when you come back all the way back and tie the game and to come up empty with just such poor offensive possessions down the stretch, it just makes it that much more frustrating. Um, you know, I, I don't know who you really blame, whether it's, I mean, I, I don't want to pick on the guy, but boy, fresh had some pretty awful possessions there with the ball going down the stretch. I know Ryan threw up a wild one handed shot. 
Um, a lot of that blame might go to Chris for, you know, not drawing up the right offensive plays in those situations. But they are Virginia for a reason. They defend well. Um, it's just really frustrating to work that hard to get all the way back and then really just, you know, not give yourself a, a good opportunity to, to go ahead there. Yeah, on one hand, I mean, I think the most, if you're looking for an encouraging thing about this game, my biggest concern with this team all year long, it hasn't been the way that they finished. It hasn't been point guard play or whatever. It's been when they've taken a really strong punch from a good team, like, like a really good team, like a, a ranked team, they haven't been able to punch back. Like when Florida State's punched them, they kind of have been knocked down. Um, when Virginia punched them, I thought they were going to, to stay down again. They didn't. Like They fought back. They put themselves in a position to win. The issue was it was kind of the reverse of what we've seen from this team. Like A lot of times when we've been on the road, especially early in the year, when we got to that you know, 51-51, we've got momentum, we've got the ball, two minutes to go. Like We've been pretty good in those situations for the most part. Like We were really good against Duke. We were good against Notre Dame on the road. We've had a couple of games like that that have been played at home where we've been really good. Um, even if you want to go to like the regular end of regulation against Kentucky, like we executed pretty well down the stretch to get ourselves into overtime, and it was the exact opposite. And I know Virginia is a diff- like they're on a different level defensively than all those teams I just mentioned, but still, like the the key possessions, the first one fresh just throws the ball away, like like no excuse. Trying to initiate the offense, throws it right into the guy. I think it was Braxton Key who gets the steal. Second time, fresh just you know, dribbles the air of the ball. I'm not sure what the intention was. I'm not sure who was supposed to come get the ball or whose fault it was, but he just dribbles for 28 seconds and then takes a turnaround that had no chance of getting to the basket. That was always going to get blocked. And then you mentioned the Ryan had the weird shot. Uh, We forced the ball into Steven. He gets it ripped away. Maybe that was a foul. Maybe it wasn't, but just, we didn't get a single good shot on any of these possessions. And it looked like we were, it was, it was like, it wasn't like we were ever on the verge of getting a good shot. And that's super disappointing because I mean, you're going to play good defensive teams in close games in March if you're, if you're going to make a run in the NCAA tournament. And we just didn't handle that all that well. Um, I will say I, I did love um, when I put out the tweets about being in the hospital on Saturday. Like, Ryan Mann sent me a message. It was like, shit. He's like, damn, man. He's like, I guess our, D, our offense really was that bad down this direction the last two minutes. I was like, I love the kid so much. Like, it was, that was Yeah, that's like, awesome. Like, not afraid yeah. to poke fun at himself. But I don't know. I mean, I thought for the most part, Jordan was pretty good. You mentioned Darius Perry. Like, that's another positive. He's got some confidence now. His defense was great. The one thing, and I want to get your thoughts on this, the one thing that kind of, you know, I didn't understand from the coaching perspective. I know Chris Mack would say, Fresh Kimball stayed in the game after that lengthy timeout with two minutes to go when the game was tied at 51 because he'd been great on defense. And more times than not this year, he's made big-time plays on offense down the stretch. Having said that, I don't know how you don't come out of that timeout with David Johnson. I don't know how you don't go offense for defense there and then wait for another whistle to bring Fresh back in or bring whoever back in to play great defense because we just we weren't getting any sort of penetration. And David Johnson, I know he didn't make he, he made some mistakes in this game. He gives you your best opportunity to get the best shot possible. I think in that case. Um, so even before it happened, even before that possession went to shit, I kind of was like, why don't we go with DJ here? Were you thinking the same thing? Yeah, and I think most I'm I'm guessing most of the fan base was as well just because I mean he's he's definitely our biggest playmaker or is able to create more plays not just for himself but for other guys. Um but at the same time saying that, you know, we did sub him in with a couple minutes left and he threw that kind of deflected ball into Steve where it looked like 
Jay Huff like slapped the million dollar dream on him and like somehow tugged the ball away. And then <laughs> uh, obviously on the defensive end, uh, Dave gave Clark a little too much space and yeah. he hit the dagger three. So, you know, uh, we can question Chris and, you know, for kind of the way he was subbing there, but when he did put him in the game, it, I, I wouldn't say it was an all-star performance. Um, but going down the stretch, when it gets to be tournament time, I want to have David Johnson in the game. I just think he gives us our best chance to win. Um, but, yeah, it's just, it, it wasn't his night. And then I was looking at Fresh's stats. I mean, yeah, the shooting was one of, I think he was one of eight. Uh, but he also did have six assists, so he was obviously, you know, uh, doing a good job of moving the ball while he was out there. But uh, with that being said, especially after, you know, he had just thrown the ball away, that's when immediately I was like, all right, we need Dave in there, and it, it just didn't happen. Yeah, you can see why. I mean, the the Kia Clark possession was exactly why David Johnson wasn't in the game during that stretch before because, I mean, Fresh and Darius both have been so good on defense. Like, we were we were locking down Virginia kind of out of nowhere. Like, I don't know what happened. Virginia seemed to be cooking, and then, like, our defense just really ratcheted up. And then David Johnson, I mean, that's that's a classic freshman mistake. I mean, you're 6'5". Kia Clark is what, 5'8", 5'9"? Like, yeah. he, he is tiny. I know that he's quicker than you. I know he can go around you. But you're down one. Clark is a – I mean, he's done that all year. Like, he hits big-time shots. You know if you give him that much space, he's going to pull. And David was so far off him that it was basically an uncontested three. Like, that's just, yeah. that's that's why he's not in the game. That's Chris Max thinking, I'm sure. I just wish we could have done a little bit of offense for defense and say, you know, we got to score here. Let's go ahead and get the lead. But it's easy to criticize now. Um, but I'm with you. Like, fresh – the last two possessions – or the, I guess those two possessions in the last couple of minutes – probably made it seem like he played a worse game than he did because the defense was fantastic. And like you mentioned, six assists, just one turnover. He didn't play poorly. It was just when the you know the lights were the brightest and we needed somebody to step up, he seemed to make two pretty bad plays. And like even more than maybe the substitutions, uh, excuse me, substitutions at the end, I was I was still actually pretty perturbed at the the Chris Mack technical. Um, I, and was it warranted? Probably not. But it, when you're that demonstrative over, you know, the play seemed kind of meaningless. It was just a free throw. We were up seven. And, and he was wrong, too. It. Like, we, we can say that. Like, he was – Yeah. Like, it wasn't a, a dual lane violation. Like, Jordan was in there. Diakite was not. So, whether right. he deserved the tech or not, what he, what he was arguing, he was, he was wrong about. Yeah. And it just was so inopportune because we were just kind of clicking at that time. And, you know, that turns into a, a five point possession, which unfortunately not the first five point possession we've ever seen against us when we play Virginia. Um, but God, I mean, that just changed the entire first half. And it seemed like we were just playing uphill after that. So, you know, whether he deserved it or not, that's for people to argue. But you just cannot get teed up in that situation. And, you know, hopefully that's a, a learning lesson going forward here into the tournament. I honestly, I had not connected those dots before. Like, I didn't even think about the fact that it was another key five-point possession against these motherfuckers. Like, I had not thought about that at all. But that's a good point. And like, I, I don't... I feel like we're it's making it seem like we're being too critical of Chris Mack here. I, I, I'm not blaming the game on him, but I'm with you. Like that technical, however it happened, I don't. There's no question it changed the course of the entire first half. Like momentum swung 
definitively from us to them at that point. And we didn't really get it back until deep into the second half. But I mean, credit to Chris Mack for saying whatever he said in the, you know, the under 12 timeout of the second half to get the guys fired up. And also with riding with Darius Perry for the first time in a long time, giving him big minutes and, and having him make the most of it, having him make look good, make him look good for doing that. And also Samuel Williamson, I thought looked good again and played like, I think that Sam Williamson next year. And if he stays as a junior, He's the type of guy that can give Virginia fits, and you saw a glimpse of that on Saturday. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, had a couple of real nice plays that that drive into the lane um, where he kind of put up the off balance shot. That's that's one that sticks out. I know he had a key offensive rebound too when we made yeah. our run. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm a couple positive points. Like you said, Jordan, I thought played really well, um, and I think that's huge going into the tournament. It looks like he's got pretty much all the confidence that we thought he might have lost in those Georgia Tech and Clemson games. Looks like he's really got his mojo back. And then great game, um, at least first half from Stephen Enoch. He, he looked like he was uh, definitely tuned into the game. I know he ended up with four turnovers, um, but he gave us a lot offensively. And it was good of Chris to recognize that they were kind of picking on him defensively a little bit. He's just too slow to guard those uh, pick and rolls out beyond the three-point line. They had that one alley-oop to Huff where we were just slow rotating back on him. And once we went small in the second half, that's kind of when we made our comeback. So, you know, Also, real quick, was, can we say uh, Jay Huff never stare at Dwayne Sutton again? Like, never yeah, stare at Dwayne uh, down again. Don't do that. Yeah, I agree. Although, not one of Dwayne's finest games. Um, no. some, sometimes, I mean, I love Dwayne more than the next guy. But I will say, like, when we're looking at this team, like when Jordan disappears like that, I mean, he absolutely gets like shit on like no other. But when Dwayne disappears, like for some reason, like you don't hear like the outcry of like, where's Dwayne? And we're, we're going to need Dwayne. To, I mean, he's got to do more than three points, five rebounds in the, uh, in the games we have coming up. We cannot have him disappear like that. So um, hopefully it's just one of those games. It was a weird thing, too, with Dwayne. I mean, he played 24 minutes in this game. I don't know if Mac thought it was just a, a bad matchup for him, but that's the the fewest amount of minutes that he's played since uh, the, the NC State game where he got into foul trouble and only played 17. So if you take that NC State game out, this is tied for the fewest amount of minutes that he's played all year long. Um, the other the previous low was the Boston College game where he played 24, and I think that was a big part of that reason was he didn't play a lot of, late in the game because it was such a blowout. But, like, I... It was kind of surprising to see a guy who Chris Mack rarely takes off the floor not playing big-time minutes in this game. I don't know if he just thought it was a bad matchup or, or whatever, but that was kind of interesting, too. But Jordan yeah. played all 40 minutes. That was the other big thing that stood out of the box score. Yeah, and, God, Diakite is tough, man. Like, mm -hmm. that's, like, one guy, like, you know, I, I'm not, like, loving the guy, but I, I, I would definitely, like, if we could, I would like him on our team. I think he's, like, the just a prototypical four. Like he, he, he had size advantage on our guys. He'd get mismatches. I remember he took Darius down in the post. I know he scored on Dwayne and Jordan down there. So he was just kind of a matchup nightmare for us. I would like him if I knew that he was going to get all the calls that he gets as a member of Virginia's basketball team, because I feel like Virginia gets a little bit of like, they get away with under the waist physicality. Like they, like, like they do a lot of their bumping and you hear people talk about this all the time without their hands. Like a lot of like kind of, <laughs> I'm dancing all around. It's like thrusting. Like they do a Hip lot. Thrust, of, yeah. Yeah. They, they do a lot of that stuff. And he's the worst offender. 
he fouls on every fucking possession and then complains every time he gets whistled for anything. He drives like I, I'm fine with watching him when Virginia's playing somebody else, but when he's when he's playing Louisville, I see why he drives everybody else crazy. He can be super oh, super annoyed. He had one possession where Jordan drove from the three point line and he rode him like all the way down to the block, and Jordan still scored on him. But I was like, how do you not call that foul? He's like, I know. Just all over the guy and hand checking him like the entire way. It was bullshit. I mean, they are they are such a physical team, and it's part of the reason why they're so good defensively. And to get called for seven fouls in that entire game, again, look, it, it was bad both ways, guys. It, it was bad both ways. <laughs> started, a lot of bad calls. A lot of bad calls both ways. Uh, you know, they got an unfair share. The refs did not decide this game. Having said that, the fact that Virginia only got called for seven fouls in this game was absolute fucking bullshit. And if it had been called fairly, we definitely would have won. No questions asked. They shot 20 free throws. We shot nine. That's, that's all you got to say. I'm joking, but half joking. Like, they they got away with some stuff. But ha, like Also, though, we should say the Ryan McMahon, where he got fouled in the three, w- was a huge flop. Like, I loved him for it, but that was not a foul. Yeah. Yeah, no. I'm, I, I hope between now and the end of the tournament that he can take some Luke Hancock pointers and perfect that move. Yeah, here's the uh, here's the the most bizarre stat of the entire this game slash the first game. So the first meeting between these two teams, there were 63 total possessions. Final score of that game, 80 to 73. On Saturday, there were 64 total possessions. Final score, 57 to 54. That makes no fucking sense. Zero fucking sense. Yeah, I mean, like I said, Virginia, they're just a quirky team, and I. I Last game was just so weird when we played them. I, 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 that's just why I thought there was no way that would happen again. Um, but, I mean, there's a decent chance we might see them in, you know, the end of this week. So we, we're going to have to get ready for them. Um, but, hey, it is what it is. Yeah, we can go ahead and shift gears. Do you have any parting Virginia thoughts before we move on to a quick overview of the ACC tournament? I don't like them. That's pretty much it. <laughs> There's the parting thought. Don't like yeah. them. Don't like those guys. Don't want to see them again. So if there was one good thing about losing to Virginia on Saturday, I think, and I don't know if you agree, I don't know if the people listening agree, I think it gave Louisville a more favorable conference tournament draw than we were going to have otherwise. Like I I like the position we're in now. We're the three seed. We're going to be playing you know, the late game on Thursday. Oh, probably God. like a 930 tip. Like I'm excited about that. But we avoid, you had talked about, you didn't want to play Notre Dame. I didn't want to really want to play Clemson. We avoid both those teams. We also avoid NC State, who's the one team that's definitively on the bubble and really needs to win these games more than, say, you know, like a, even Syracuse. Like, Syracuse probably has to win this whole thing to make it to, to the finals. We're a good matchup with Syracuse. We beat them down. Um, we're, we just beat Virginia Tech. They're reeling. And the other team that, that we could play in the quarterfinals is North Carolina. And, look, I, I know that zombie North Carolina terrifies people, but – I'll take my chances playing them in their third game, three days. And we, I mean, it's not like Cole Anthony didn't play when we just housed them a few weeks ago. I know they're playing a little bit better now, but that's not a team. It's not a team that should beat you if you're playing anywhere near your your best level. So I guess just your overall thoughts on Louisville's draw, like it, don't like it. How do you feel? No, I'm kind of with you. I think somehow with that loss, things kind of fell our way. Now, with that being said, I, I am nervous if it does come to North Carolina because if they come in there having won the first two games, I just feel like their confidence is going to be sky high. 
you know, they're in Greensboro. It's the late game. That game makes me nervous. I, I will say Garrison Brooks is playing really well. We didn't face him the first time, so that would be a new wrinkle that they throw for us. We don't know how healthy Malik is. Um, but with that being said, I mean, if we play our game, you know, that we're capable of, we should beat any one of those three teams. So it's really just going to come down to us having to focus on, you know, doing what we have to do to play well and not worry about who we're playing. Um, and I love the late game because there's like just some mental thing about knowing that like the 12 o'clock, 2 o'clock and 7 o'clock games, like even though we're in the same round as them, like when the teams lose, I'm like, all right, we're farther than these teams. Right. Like actually we're in the same round, but it's just like a mental edge for me. No, I totally agree. Like, I, I love sitting around all day watching everybody else knock each other around and knowing we still get to play later in the day. I think it's awesome. And, look, what it comes down to me, because I get why people would be afraid. If UNC just rolls through Virginia Tech and Syracuse, I understand why people would be nervous about that game. But if Louisville can't handle an under 500 North Carolina team, even if they're at full strength, even if they're playing with confidence, even if they're playing in Greensboro, like, what hope do we have of making a special run of the NCAA tournament? Like, that that's a game that you have to win just because you're better than they are. There's no questions asked. Like we are a better team. We have more to play for. Like that's a game that Louisville should be able to win. And then look, do we, we need a Friday night semifinal game. It's been way too long. Like we have been, it's been since 2014. We haven't done it one time in this conference. Like we have got to get a Friday night semifinal game and then hopefully get to spend Saturday championship Saturday waiting around all day for that eight 30 game. Like it's been, I miss it, Dan. I miss it yeah. too much. It's just, it, there's just something about it. Like, I, I just get, like, we went, we got so spoiled from totally. 2011 through 2014 to where it was conference title game to Elite Ace to Final Fours and National Championships. Sweet. I mean, like, everything just seemed like it was falling our way. And then to not have a taste of that for so long, I'm just salivating to get it back. Like, I, I, I want to feel that feeling again. Could not agree more. Um, if we do play Virginia semifinals, neutral floor, what's your confidence level for that game, semifinal game? This is a cop-out, but I kind of want to see how we're playing going in. Um, I think the conference tournament, more than all, like more than a lot of things, is about momentum. Like that when we did used to make our runs in the title game, it seemed like, like, all right, like this team's starting to click a little bit, and then they carried over to the next night and the next night. So I would like to see how we come out um, our first night. But if you really had to, I, I'm, I will say this: I'm more confident in that game than I was going into Saturday. So I definitely think I, I, I'd be more optimistic. Um, but I, I, I do want to see how we're playing, and God, you know. We can talk about this in a little bit, but I, I would really, I would like to get Malik back in the flow if possible. I know Saturday it didn't happen, but man, we really need that guy. Yeah, I mean, Virginia's won, they've won, what, nine games in a row, and that nine-game winning streak, those the combined total of those nine wins is 29 points. Like, that's, at some point, that's got to stop. And one of those wins was by 13 points, like, in the middle of it. Like, the other eight have come all by one possession or less. Like, like they've all been three points or less. At some point, that catches up with you. And not all those teams that they've played have been good teams. I mean, they barely, they should have lost to Miami. They beat them by two. They had a couple of other like, teams that are in the bottom half of this conference. They beat by two or by one or by three. Like, at some point, 
they're going to fall. And I, I feel like if we play them in the semifinals and we played well, I'm with you. I think if we played well on Thursday and could carry that over into Friday night, I'd feel pretty good about it. Um, top half of the bracket, everybody's furious that Duke is the betting favorite and that Ken Palm has them as the projected favorite and Florida State's the number one seed. I, I mean, if you had to, to guess real quickly, and we'll talk more about the tournament when we do the next episode before Thursday's game, but which team do you would you expect to see the most? Like, which, which is the most likely team to come out of that top half of the bracket in your eyes? <laughs> Something about, like, Duke in these conference tournaments. Like, I, I, I agree. It's just, I don't know whether they're getting the calls, whether they're playing close to home. It's just so hard to go against them. Um, I Like, the team that scares me more out of those two is definitely Florida State. But if if you really had to make me pick one, I would say I, I see Duke probably coming out of that bracket. I'm I'm with you too. Like it just seems like this is when they turn it on. Can we talk real quickly too about Mike Shashevsky rigging the ACC Player of the Year? Oh my god! So that Trey I Jones would this. get it. I mean, this is yeah. this is kind of I'm so only Coach K could get away with this. Like only could this not be a, a national story if Coach K did it. So if you didn't see. The ACC announced its Conference Player of the Year awards and its you know all ACC teams and all that good stuff on Monday. Announced it on Packer and Durham because that's where all great stuff happens in the ACC. Packer and Durham, it's the end all be all. They um, Jordan Wara was a first team All Conference selection. He was the second leading vote getter. The leading vote getter for all ACC was Vernon Carey, the freshman center. I noticed when I scrolled down and saw that the the Conference Player of the Year vote went to Trey Jones. I thought it was odd that. Vernon Carey didn't get a single conference player of the year vote. That doesn't seem to make any sense. Come to find Duke didn't nominate Vernon Carey to be conference player of the year, which I had no idea was even a thing. I, I figured that every play, everybody who plays on any team is fair game to be voted for. So coach K was asked about this and his, this is his ex- exact quote. He said, I would like to nominate both, but I don't know how you do that. Can we still do that? I don't know. I don't really do any of that which is the biggest piece of bullshit I've ever heard in my entire life. You think anything happens with Duke basketball that Coach K doesn't put his stamp on? Of course not. And just last year, Duke nominated Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett for the player of the year in the conference. So just fucking last year, they did this thing. They could have easily nominated Kerry and Jones. I think K knew that it, was, it would have split the vote. He got to pick who he wanted to win this thing. He picked the guy that came back for his sophomore season. He picked the guy that he likes more. He made Trey Jones the conference player of the year. I mean, that's kind of slimy, is it not? Yeah. Coach, like we said, Coach K is getting into that territory where he just knows whatever he says and does will have zero repercussions just because he's, you know, been to the top of the mountain and he's been in the ACC and college basketball so long. Um, but yeah, poor, poor Vernon Carey. I, I wish I was there when someone broke the news. I'm like, actually, you got more votes than Trey, but. <laughs> Uh, your coach didn't nominate. Like, man, that's some fucking bullshit. I mean, no, he, I, I, he won I, defensive, <laughs> or he won freshman of the year. He was the leading vote getter for like all accolades, all ACC, and he didn't get a single vote for conference player of the year. Like, that, that's the stupidest thing. Of the year. Oh, they didn't nominate me. That's the dumbest thing, the worst thing that I've ever heard. Yeah, no, that's. You know what? Something about when we joined the ACC, it seemed like people warned us that some Duke gets all the breaks and they do kind of whatever they want. And, uh, you know, we're starting to see that now. I mean, Trey Jones was ACC player of the year. Vernon Carey was freshman of the year. Trey Jones was all defensive team. 
Uh, Vernon Carey was the leading vote getter on all freshman team. Trey Jones was the defensive player of the year. Duke finished fourth in this conference. Like, let, let's like, it, you would have thought that this was like last year's team that was just ro- like rolling everybody. Vernon Carey and Trey Jones both finished on the on the first team all conference. Like, it just, you know, whatever. Like, it, you know, if they can't do win we, the conference this year, then whatever. Do we think the slobbing of Duke is going to continue once Coach K leaves? I feel like the media is going to be like that. The old school triangle media. I feel like they're going to be super hard on whoever's next. Like. Whoever it is, let's just say for the sake of saying it's you know, Steve Wojciechowski gets it going at Marquette and he becomes the guy five years from now. I feel like they're going to hate whatever he does just because he's not Coach K. Yeah, I could see that. Like, I feel like all the the old school personalities, like the the Vitals, who like you know we can't just can't get enough of Duke. When Coach K calls it quits, we might see Dickie V put in his resignation the next day. I could see that. Like Packer yeah. and Durham just like ripping Wojo for only winning an <laughs> exhibition for ten by ten points, like just going exactly. off. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. happening. Uh, we should make mention too uh, about the awards. Malik Williams was the runner-up for the sixth man of the year behind uh, Florida State's Patrick Williams and Chris Mack. One vote for Coach of the Year. He was the only buddy, only person besides Leonard Hamilton who won the award and Tony Bennett to get a vote for Coach of the Year. So shout to those guys. And Dwayne Sutton was honorable mention all conference. Uh, I thought maybe he might slide up into like the third team. But he did get the honorable mention nod. I think that's fair. Yeah, no, I, I don't have any qualms with uh, where uh, where Dwayne ended up, and then congrats, congrats to Jordan as well. So that's a big accomplishment. All right, let's talk uh, real quickly before we get out of here about the. Like I said, we're recording this on Monday. Let's talk about the conference tournament games that are going to go down on Tuesday. It is ACC tournament Tuesday, the holiest of holy days uh, in this conference, and we got to talk. The only reason we're really doing this is because we want to talk about your boy. The swan song, potentially. It's already been reported. ACCSports.com reported that Danny Manning's agent and Wake Forest are in negotiations for a buyout. So game one of this tournament is going to be at 430. The 12th-seeded Wake Forest Demon Deacons versus Jeff Capel and the 13th-seeded Pittsburgh Panthers. Is this the uh, the, the swan song for your boy? Are, are you going to have to say goodbye tomorrow afternoon? So I actually didn't even tell you this. I'm in Greensboro right now. I'm actually going to see Danny Manning tomorrow. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, oh, I was I was really excited for a second. <laughs> I'm like, this is going to be great content. Get him on the pod. No. Yeah, that, I I definitely would have. But all right, so is tomorrow going to be his last game? Well, here's what a lot of people don't know about me as well. I'm kind of a Jimmy Laranega guy too, as you would know. Um, I got my picture with him right before I walked into the final four before Louisville beat Michigan. Um, that's a highlight for me. Uh, we obviously know that he was the coach at George Mason where Luke Hancock. Are you under the impression that Wake Forest is playing Miami tomorrow? Who do they play? They're playing Pitt. What I just said. God damn it. Who's Miami play? (laughs) Miami plays Clemson on Wednesday. Oh my God. (laughs) I can't even go on. Here's what people don't know about me. Big Jimmy Laranaga guy. I was like, where is he going with this? Oh boy. Well, this is going to be bad. All right. Are they playing Pitt? Pitt sucks. Yeah, I'm going to Wake Forest. Danny's going to be dancing for another night. I kind of feel like... How do we recover from that? Um, I kind of feel like Wake is going to win, too. It's weird. The lower-seeded team is actually the favorite in both of these Tuesday games. Um, I'll take Wake uh, over Pitt. Um, they would play NC State on Wednesday in the 12-5 game. So there you go. We get one more day of Danny Manning, at least. The, the late game on 
uh, Tuesday is going to be 11th seed of Virginia Tech versus the 14th seed, the most famous 14th seed in the history of the ACC, North Carolina, 7 o'clock tip. I kind of feel like, I mean, it seems too easy, but I feel like Carolina rolls. Yeah, and did you see Cole Anthony's comments? And I don't know when he said this, if this was after the Duke game or before. before. Yeah, where he's like, y'all don't want, (laughs) or like, you guys don't want us to, we're going to be like the the best low seed ever. I was like, might want to lay off those comments, buddy. But um, I agree with you. I think Carolina rolls this game. I did like, um, I saw Jordan Cornette was like, it's the most dangerous 14th seed in the history of the ACC tournament. I'm like, well, what's the competition like for that title? You know, I mean, first of all, the conference hasn't had 15 teams for all that long. Second of all, I don't think that the 14th seed has typically been all that dangerous. Nobody would care if this wasn't North Carolina. Um, the other thing that about Carolina being 14 and Duke being fourth, I had no idea until I think it was David Teal tweeted this out on, on Monday. It's the first time in the history of this conference that Duke and Carolina haven't been one of the top three seeds in the tournament. Like That's kind of that's sort of batshit crazy. Yeah, hopefully that's the, uh, the turning of a new leaf here going forward. And um, Yeah, because I, I don't think we're going to see – well, I don't know. I mean, we can talk about when Coach K and Roy are, are going to leave. I'm sure, you know, it'll be at some point. But like I said, hopefully it's a turning of a new leaf here. All right. Enjoy the games tomorrow. It's always a nice little, you know, crazy shit always happens on that Tuesday. It'll be interesting this year having the North Carolina fans in there for that first night. Usually it's like five people around. It's Josh Pastner screaming at both teams from the stands by himself. He's not going to be around. Maybe he will be. I, I don't know. But it should be an interesting couple of games. And then we'll we'll be back, I guess, on Wednesday, recapping some of the quarterfinal stuff, talking about Louisville's game on Thursday, getting everybody ready to go, and then hopefully we'll be able to do some daily pods and just keep everybody abreast. Hey, it's the most busy week of the year, this week and then next week. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. Uh, Hopefully you guys lock into the Car Chronicle podcast. If you haven't yet, please subscribe. Give us a rating. Give us a review. I don't have the reviews up in front of me, so we're going to have to save the reading for the next episode. My apologies there. Blame it on the, the, the new migraine or whatever you want to blame it on. But we'll have that for you next episode. In the meantime, uh, we'll be talking to you guys soon. Thanks so much for tuning in, and go Cards. Go, go Cards.